Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 126 of the Green Light Podcast, POC, E-Frage. We don't know what's happening in the ACC, but Duke beats UNC in uh, what felt like, in case you were wondering where this episode was going to go from the jump, uh, you knew I was going to start with uh, the Blue Devils beating the Tar Heels, but... Um, in a game for very obvious reasons that felt much more important for Duke than it did Carolina. Um, Duke got it done. Shire goes one and oh to to start his um, you know, Duke Carolina Tobacco Road rivalry. I thought the emergence of Derek Lively was one of the most important pieces for Duke this year. Um, for people that are unfamiliar, number one recruit in the country and not a traditional number one recruit in the country by any stretch of the imagination. He is a rim runner. He's a rim protector. He's a solid rebounder. He now has finally gotten to the point where he is comfortable and very much more comfortable than he was in the beginning of the year, going to block shots, when to go block shots, when to not, when to wall up. He's he's finally, that was like his come out game. Um, Jeremy Roach in uh, in a much needed performance from him in this rivalry. He stepped up in the biggest ways. I mean, essentially sealed the game with the last three plays. You know, I know he missed the the one layup, which lively finished, but um, those two were were the story of the game. Everyone else chipped in. Proctor chipped in, and Mitchell had moments, and Filipowski played well, and all that. But you know, it's it's I, I think it's we. I don't even want to get into Hubert Davis. You know, Baycott doesn't get a shot for 12 minutes. And wow. Baycott did not make a shot against Lively. All of his points were against Filipowski and Ryan Young. He did not score against Lively. Yep. And my last comments here are that does not bode well for his NBA status. Because if you can't pop – now, look, I know he's 7 feet. I get it. And when he puts his hands up, he's damn near 10 feet. But he weighs 200 pounds soaking wet. You know what I mean? And you're a senior who is on the all wooden, all American. Oh, all, wait, all... but you're saying Baycott weighs 200 pounds? No, lively. Oh, lively. Sorry. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, bro, you got to be able to eat 200 yeah. pounds soaking wet is lively. Um, so it, I just don't think that bodes well for Baycott's status in the NBA because you got to be able to score on seven footers. Like, I don't know where else yeah. you think you're scoring. I feel you. And I agree with that. I put just as much onus on. Caleb Love and RJ Davis for not getting him the ball, to be honest, as well. I think the thing that we've seen with Carolina is last year they got hot because Caleb Love and RJ Davis just went berserk Nuclear. and were unconscious. And I think that in their mind, they think that that has like they have to lead the show. When I think at the end of the day, Armando Baycott's their best player. And even if he's not scoring, getting the ball in and playing inside out and like letting them relocate and get shots that way 
that's what I think is missing for this Carolina team. Like, there's a lot of ball dominance. There's a lot of just like, hey, he, I, mean, I hate calling it hero ball, but the fact that Armando Baycott is not getting a shot with 12 minutes left, granted, I think that Lively did a great job, and I think a lot of that's attributed to his defense, and, and, and maybe there's that matchup there, but not even an attempt. I feel like whether that's Hubert, whether that's the guards, it blew my mind that there wasn't more of an effort to at least let's get the ball in the paint. And um, someone asked me too, they said, what's like, what's wrong with Carolina? And I think outside of them, A, they're not very deep. B, um, there's the issues we just talked about. But C, I mean, Pete Nance, as solid of a player he is, he's not Brady Manick. And last year, even before the tournament run, in the games last year where Carolina looked really good, Brady Manick was just automatic. Lights out. And And Pete Nance, like, I feel bad, like knocking him. He was one of ten from the field. He was zero of five from three. I don't in think he scored 30, till the second half. In thirty, he played thirty minutes. I mean, it was really, really, really tough. And especially like if you want to play and like to have someone to be able to dump the ball down to Baycott and then give him space with having shooters on the outside they don't have. Like no wonder, like it's clogged in there. They're not getting the ball. Um, I think that once. I mean, it's crazy to think that. Um, Brady Manick, Oklahoma tra- grad transfer, was one of was such a key integral piece of yeah, that team in that run issue. last year. You're spot on. Um, You're spot on with the space. And I don't. And I and and I think both. It, it's crazy to look at the numbers. I mean, neither team, neither Duke or Carolina, is deep whatsoever. Like there, is, I would say Duke is more. Um, but well, outside of Grandison, there is Ryan Young played six minutes and Jalen Blake's played two. No, no, I, I, yeah, I say Duke has more potential too, and they probably should, but very quickly they realized, and listen, I am the one freaking Duke fan that still uh, is trying to explain to all of Duke Twitter that Ryan Young is very important for this team. Yeah. Um, but he could not play in this game. He could. Yeah. He yeah. just, he just literally couldn't. And they realized nope. that he was just giving spot breaks to Lively. Two minutes, yep. two minutes, two minutes. Yeah. And and that's it's it's such a match. I mean, we'll talk about it with Virginia too. There's Virginia fans that are like going crazy about who's playing the post and all that. And I think they're you're right. Like there are going to be games where there are guys that are absolutely needed, and there are going to be games like this where he just doesn't match up. And Ryan Young is an interesting player. In fact, he's not. The one thing I, I want to ask you, I, I want to point out is I I think you're right in the sense that it was a way bigger game for Duke. I think if this game had been at Carolina. I probably would have flipped it on you because if you've taken a look at their next Carolina stretch now, the rest of the way. I haven't. I know I know Duke, there, but I don't know the there is a realistic now. I'm not saying by any means, I think they could easily win all these games, but you could make an argument. So they've they've lost their last two to Pittsburgh at home and at Duke. You could make an argument that they would they could lose the next four and be on a six game losing streak. No. Because you've got they play at Wake tonight, where it's an even spread. It's an even spread at Wake Forest. Okay, that'll be a good the one. Wake's already knocked off Duke at home. They play Virginia tough. Right now, Kim Palm has it 78-77. They get Clemson at home, which we'll talk about Clemson. I think Carolina wins that, but Clemson is literally the number one team in the ACC right now. After that, they get Miami at home, which Miami is a matchup nightmare for them, just like they were for Duke. Yeah. Miami, in my opinion, is probably the best team in the they're ACC the best team. right now. They're the best team. And and then you go at NC State, which they're projected to lose. So those are their next four. 
They like, got to go two and two. They got to go. I feel two most confident in them winning at home against Clemson and then at Wake. Yeah. But then, like I said, they they go Miami. I don't feel great against them about them. At NC State will be tough, and they're especially after all the stuff that happened with NC State at Chapel Hill. And ter- and There's a Smith. lot of bad blood there. There's a lot like there was all the foul calls that we didn't even talk about that game, but there all the fans were up in arms about the foul calls in Carolina's favor. They get and then even to finish out their schedule, they get Notre Dame on the road, but then they have to play Virginia again. Um, which I think that will be home or away, home or away at home because the game in Charlottesville yeah. is when Baycott right. got hurt. That's so right. It wasn't a great representation, but still um, a tough one there. They go at Florida State and then they finish with Duke at home. And so I think there is. All right, so they're going to get Florida State and they most likely will get Duke at home. And yeah. And, and but right now, what did we say there? I think if you look at Joe Lenardi's bracketology, um, UNC they are a nine is seed, a nine said. seed currently, yeah. which I think seems pretty fair. I mean, it, once again, it's what were, were they an eight or a nine last year? And they, they ran yeah. it all the way. They ran yeah, all the way to played, the national um, championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were eight or nine. And so I, I don't think it's like sound the alarms. UNC like I think they are what they are. I think their ceiling is the roof, in the words of Michael Jordan. Um, and they can beat. They have the talent to beat anybody. I think this I have the sc- confidence that they will know um, the scary thing. And if I was a Carolina fan, I would always, this is how I would be spin zoning it is that we're, we're a tournament team. I don't care yeah. what happens. Just get us in the tournament and we'll make, we'll make some magic. Now there's validity to that for obvious reasons of what they did last year. And there's also like, yo, you should have lost twice. You, yeah. you know what I mean? There's a lot of oh, luck yeah. oh, that easily. happens with this. Easily. So like, easily. So that, that's a that's a slippery thing to like depend on. You know what no, I mean? No, you're like, 100% ah, right. We're, we're a tournament team. We'll be okay. I think these next two games are huge. Like if they yeah. lose to Wake and now that's three in a row, Yeah. yikes. Yeah. The one thing, and I, that's, I think that if you look at it from a pessimistic side, that's 100%. If I'm a, if I'm a Carolina fan, I'm trying to be an optimist. You're looking at they have the 33rd ranked offense in terms of offensive efficiency on Ken Palm with a the 316th, that's three-point shooting percentage. So even as bad as they are, they are bottom 50 in the entire country of all college basketball teams in three-point shooting, yet they're still have the 33rd offense, which is just if you're saying, hey, if we just knock down shots, we're gonna be unbelievable. And so, like, that's when if those shots, if Caleb Love and RJ Davis and Pete Nance, if those start dropping, I know I'm not confident that they are like they're going to turn into 2022 tournament Carolina. But it is, it's pretty crazy. It's a staggering number that they're shooting 30.8% from three. And their bench minutes, they are 358th in the country in bench minutes. That's what I'm saying, dude. When we, when we will have Ryan um, Hammer on again for March Madness. He's he's so good at all these stats. Like when you look at tournament runs, you you debt you have to be able to shoot the ball at a decent at a better clip than they're doing, and that's where Brady you you said it. Brady Manick came in. You have to be able to shoot the ball, and you have to have some sort of depth. You cannot win six games in two and a half three weeks with six players, and you can't shoot threes. You just I just can't. can I add more context? There are five teams in the entire country that have less bench minutes it's oakland southern utah marshall rice and notre dame 
No one else is using less of their bench than North Carolina and those five schools. Is Notre Dame the last team in the country? Absolute last. They have um, their bench minutes are coming in at 15.4%. So 363rd in the country, only 15.4% of their minutes. And to benchmark it, the national average across Division One is 30.9% bench minutes. Okay. Notre Dame is 15.4%, and, and North Carolina is 19.1%. Um, yeah. Now, Grant, like their starting five, you can put that five talent-wise up against anybody pretty much. Yeah. But um, you're 100% right. It's interesting in that, like, from, from that standpoint, Duke is – I mean – Looking, Duke is 139th. The one stat that I think that stands out to me about Duke is interesting. We talked about Ryan Young and players minutes continuity. I love just we're diving these stats. Duke is 339th in the country in minutes continuity. Can you so define four, that stat? Yep. So basically, it's more. It's more of and Ken Palm. This is measuring continuity. So although it's more of a storytelling stat, you know, something that should be tracked. So one way in terms of roster continuity, which determines that the players that played last season are also playing this season. But then once the season starts, that number only tells part of that team's continuity. So a player that played one minute last year that becomes a starter this season is providing something new to the team. And a player that was a starter that suffers a season-ending injury in the first game also has an impact not captured by roster continuity. So the version of continuity used here, so in minutes continuity, determining what percentage of the team's minutes are played by the same player from last season to this season. So the, the national yeah, zero. average. Zero. I mean, Duke's got 50%. 11 new players. Exactly. And that's what's crazy about it. It's like you're looking at it. I mean, the national, like the average this season is 41.5%. I mean, Duke is down there with, I mean, there it's very, there's very slim teams in terms of continuity. Like we'll get, we'll talk about Ohio State, but like Ohio State, Illinois. LSU, Georgetown, those are the only other power five teams that have less continuity. So it's this is a new team. This is the opposite of Carolina, where it's almost yes. everybody from last year. Duke is a completely new team. Jeremy Roach is really the only person. Yep. Um, and it's 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 interesting to see. But I do, I do you, I don't want to bring up this from last night. We're recording this Tuesday evening. Oh, we got to talk about Miami. Does that I mean that's brutal. A, I don't. I doubt that you. A. I doubt that you went into that Miami game being confident you were going to win. But B. Does that change? Does the Miami game change your feelings at all about this team and how it went down? Um, it looked like a hungover team that just played a, a in a the, one of the more emotional rivalry games that they've had, um, and it it showed. Now, what's scary? is that this has now happened twice where they've gotten blitzed. One at NC State, one at Miami. Here's what it confirmed that we already knew. They suck on the road, they shoot worse on the road, and they turn the ball over at an insanely high clip on the road. Yeah. Now, what's good is that at neutral floors, they almost beat Kansas – um and actually the third game i forgot is you know they got blown out by purdue but nobody that's a different yeah yeah it's a whole different beast so it they they seemed tired they seem lethargic i think the the worrisome part is like there's no like 
yo, like foot in the ground. Let's put a stop to this. Let's try. You know what I mean? Like it just kept snowballing last night. I turned the game off. Like, and, and honestly, I swear to God, I was like, I don't even care because they beat Carolina. I truly didn't care For, to go from Saturday to Monday is insane. I don't know why it wasn't Tuesday. They've been like Tuesday, Saturday. No, it's you, Virginia got hit with it the week before. It's because there's one ACC and one Big 12 game for Big Monday. They do it at uh, 7, 9 o'clock. So Virginia had to go BC at home on Saturday afternoon and then go to Syracuse on Monday night. And yeah. like, and like to pre and once again, like I was thinking, like, I'm glad Virginia won that game, but. I'm thinking in my mind that's what everyone said for so long about why Carolina or why Syracuse does so well in a tournament because you get just a quick turnaround to prepare like yeah. it's hard to prepare for the zone quick yeah. turnaround plus you're flying to Syracuse in the cold and then Virginia had and then the other thing which I, I'm very interested to see with that Duke has as well that Virginia had the week before is you get then the whole week layoff to play next like Virginia played Syracuse Monday night and then didn't play again until they played a noon game in Blacksburg yeah. on Saturday afternoon where they looked, they looked flat. Their offense wasn't as sharp. And now Duke's going to be the same thing. They got blown out at, at, at Miami last night and they don't play again until they come to Charlottesville Saturday, uh, Saturday evening, um, which it, I guess it's a product of just the ACC and the scheduling and getting the, the matchups that they want there, yeah. but it definitely sucks. I mean, they don't, I'm looking right now, they've got a, you you guys have it again on in two weeks. You guys go Syracuse at Syracuse Saturday, and then at least you're going home against Louisville on Monday the twentieth. That's actually like the best case, but that man that makes me nervous. I mean, I don't. And think then you get some rest, and you go Virginia Tech, and then you go NC State North Carolina to end it. But yeah. um, if you were to look at your stretch to finish up with Duke, so you go at Virginia, Notre Dame at home, at Syracuse, Louisville at home, Virginia Tech at home. NC State at home at Carolina. I think the general gonna consensus. I, you think that you go all the home games wins, all the road game losses. Yeah, there. I dude, listen. If they beat, it is Carolina, pretty crazy that their only two road wins are Georgia Tech and Boston College. Yeah, and and should have been. Um, uh, who punched Filipowski in the throat? Why am I blanking on that game? Virginia Tech. Yeah. Yeah, should have been Virginia Tech. That was absolutely brutal. So I think they, yeah, losing to Miami, totally fine. They got to get Virginia. Like th this Saturday is going to be massive for them staying at the seven spot because they, to me, they really can't move up. Like I really don't see them moving up much further. They would have to have a deep ACC tournament run, probably lose in the championship to get anywhere close to a five. I don't like the Virginia one's going to be like a buoy. I think. And Virginia they, needs to win it for themselves to win, to stay in the race for the ACC regular season. Yes. Like that's, it's so a huge one. It's, it's huge. an absolutely I, huge one for Virginia as well. I'm not super confident, but I think they get Notre Dame. I think they get Louisville. I think they get Syracuse. I think they get Virginia Tech. I think they lose. I think they could potentially lose to NC State, even though it's at home. And I think they lose to UNC. Um, so one of them's got to, one of them's got to give. If you just told me, they win their home and lose their away. I take that. That's what I said two weeks ago that was going to happen. And I think that would have made, that will make them 21 and 11 if I'm counting everything correctly. And I'm, yep. I, I think I'm okay with that. 11 is like, God damn, that's a lot of losses. But I think that's, I think it is what it is with this team. Like they're young as hell, man. I, you know, it, it, it's whatever. It's too much on Duke. Let's talk Virginia. Yeah. What, I want to thought think? it will be a, 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 last thing I'll say on Duke in regards to Virginia, that one thing that's interesting looking at, at, at some of these numbers, 
is this is probably the best, even better than the 2019 team. This is probably the best three-point shooting team Virginia's had uh, under Tony Bennett. They are 18th in the country in three-point shooting percentage. Duke which guards the hell out of the three-point That's line. Duke in terms of, yeah, in terms of three-point defense, it's 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 their 29th in the country. So that is going to be absolutely huge. And Virginia is not like their two-point shooting is not great. They've not been good at the line. Um, the one thing that will be really interesting for Virginia and talk about, um, let's say experience Virginia's fourth in the country and an experience Duke is on 290th. Um, <laughs> I mean, you've got fifth, you've got Kihei is a fifth year. Vanderplas is a fifth year. Jaden Gardner is a fifth year. Franklin's a senior. Like you've got all these guys. Um, now some of the biggest contributors, what I think the biggest key for Virginia down the stretch is going to be. Isaac McNeely, freshman shooting guard, that's just been, I think, since conference play, or it's. I saw a stat the other day in the last, like, I think, since the start of the new year, maybe, is shooting with with every player that has at least fifty three point attempts. Um, he's shooting the best three point percentage of anyone in the country, which is absolutely huge, especially for. Uh, it's hard to get minutes as a freshman under Tony's system, anyways. And then the kid Ryan Dunn, who Ryan Dunn is someone that literally was going to walk on to Virginia and turn down scholarship offers. Six, eight, three, four, really can play everything. He's super athletic. Is almost like a combination of Justin Anderson and um, kind of like an Akeel Mitchell, but really a uh, he does not have the the shooting of a Trey Murphy. Um, but he's been so huge for Virginia in terms of defensive versatility, which I think is going to be their biggest key down the stretch. And that's the for me outside of three point shooting defense. Virginia has not been playing Caden Shedrick. They're their prototypical five man really since before the wake. He's I think he's got maybe a total of like it's less than 10 minutes, which is crazy. From a guy that started all the first 10, 15 games, started a lot last year, has been key. Is your pro like he and lively match up? Like that's what you think is an automatic matchup. He isn't, I don't know. No one really knows if it's, he's in the doghouse, if there's an in, underlying injury. Is that what the fans are mad at? You mentioned earlier, like they're mad at there's the a, rotations. There's a lot of fans mad and it comes and goes. Like there's a, I, there's an article today that said Ryan Dunn should be playing 30 minutes a game. That's why, like, as much as I love Ryan Dunn, I think it's like, that's a crazy thing to say. Um, and with him, I think they're, they're frustrated because Tony has been reluctant to go small. Like at the beginning, they were not playing Vanderplas and Jaden Gardner together at all um, to, as they kind of stretch fours. Then they started playing it and having a lot of success in certain games. Like they, there are certain teams that they just opened against Carolina. Like they opened it up and Ben was shooting well and Gardner's best weapon is in the mid range, but then they have definitely fallen off defensively in that. Like Ben is Ben and Gardner are not their best defenders, Whereas Shedrick has typically been one of the better defenders when he's not fouling um, or getting elbowed in the nose, which seemed to happen every single game. Um, but it, it'll be really, really interesting on what type of match, because I don't think you can play like if Duke is playing Filipowski and lively, which they've been doing. I'm very like, I don't really like, I don't know. I'm very confident could... in the rebounding. I am. Uh, the reason I don't think Duke wins is just because of how poorly they, they shoot on the road. It's yeah. It's like JPJ should be rocking too. Like yeah. a, for an app I mean, and not... even, I think it's a six o'clock ESPN four. game, four o'clock. Like that's, that's good. I've been disappointed in the fans of JPJ this year. I think we've got, I think they've gotten a little complacent and just expecting wins automatically. And, and there's not the same energy as there were in the pre-national championship or even pre-COVID days. 
but it'll be good. I mean, Kihei versus Jeremy Roach will be a great matchup. It, it, yeah. Um, Beekman and um, obviously it'll be interesting to see if Whitehead comes back. Man, that would be fantastic! Like that would be huge. Three games now. I'm assuming, in my opinion, I think obviously you've got Kihei and Roach, Proctor and Beekman, Franklin and Mark Mitchell probably, and then it's just like with the bigs. Like yeah, I don't. I wonder how much you if you can play like Gardner. I personally think Gardner and Vanderplas is their best offensive lineup, but. Those guys are both like six eight, six seven, like not bigs. Or you put it up against two footers. Yeah, they're they're um, gonna put Filipowski in the post like a lot. Exactly, and a so it, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see. Um, and well rested. I I was hoping that Duke was competitive last night because I don't. I, I think I texted you. I do not like a reality checked Duke coming into Charlottesville. And the last, I mean, even when last obviously last year Virginia didn't even make the tournament. All of these games in the last like five, six years have been really competitive. Like no one's blown anyone out. Like even yeah, the- I think we've looked at the stat. It's like getting eerily similar to the Duke Carolina like all time rivalry, where just in this last five to seven years, it's like tied. I mean, think eighteen. You had the tie Jerome shot at the end at Cameron. Nineteen. Yeah. Duke won both, but those were both really, really tight games. You had LeBron was there, JPJ. Zion. No, that was Zion. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. Zion. It was Zion yeah. and RJ and all of them, and that was really, really close. Came in the yeah. wire. 20 Virginia that was Vernon Carey where they blocked Vernon Carey at the end Virginia wins at JPJ yeah um 21 I don't really remember that was horrible that was Jalen Johnson wasn't it and I was just gonna bring him up in a completely different 21 and then last year was the Beekman shot um yeah Cameron you were there yeah unbelievable it was my first game at Cameron unbelievable then they lost last year they lost to Duke at home though um so like it's yeah it's been hit or miss it really, yeah, they lost Virginia, but then they won. They won by four in Charlottesville, so they flipped. And I'm looking, yeah, 21 was, yeah, you're right. That was the, but no, 21, Duke beat Virginia by a point. We'll take it. They only played them once. So, I mean, but like all those games, literally, we were saying for the last five years. Yeah. Pretty much every single one was like down to the final possession. So I'm That's not it. expecting anything different in this one. Yeah, it's going to be a coin flip. I, last thing we'll say on them, and then I just want to get your thoughts on the ACC and if Virginia can still win it, and then we'll shift. Um, shout out to Derek Whitehead. I think this is going a little bit unnoticed. He's injured in the preseason. Misses like some of the most important time you can have uh, as a freshman and just in general with your team. Comes back maybe four or five games into the season and starts to kind of, you know, get a feel for everything, find his, find his step, all that gets hurt again. A lot of, I would say 99% of freshmen would shut it down and declare not right away, but would shut it down. And then after the season declare for the draft. And he's certainly in that ballpark and he hasn't. And I think that's, I think that's pretty good, man. I think that's cool for him. Like if you look at the opposite of Jalen Johnson, who got like, an ounce of adversity and was like, nah, I'm out. (laughs) It's like, these are two different ways you can take it. And I'm not, I'm not saying one way is better than the other. And you know, you got to look out for, you know, your long-term, I get all that, but you only get to play, especially if you're this type of kid, you only get to play in this uniform for one to two years. And it's, he seems like he's trying to take advantage of it. And I guess the only thing I would say on that is he kind of needs to, because his stock has really, really dropped. So that might be a part of it too. Um, but it's interesting to see how he's handled it. I'm curious um, what if you think that would have been 
the same under Coach K? Like, do you th- or does he it, stay? Does he does he stay? Is he like is this anything like is any of that attributed to Shire and like hey like I want to I don't want to let Shire down his first year I, I want to be part of this. like I'm curious if there's any 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 sort of because for me the takeaway I had after in Shire's interview right after UNC was it it sounds like I mean in terms of like Lively's obviously getting gotten crushed online by a bunch of people crushed. And it sounded like Shire was just so proud of him. It's yes. like they've gotten really tight in terms of developing. And they knew yep. it. And it seems like there's that trust. Right? Not that there wasn't with Kay, but that was something that just caught me by surprise. But it, it was something that definitely stood out to me in terms of like, it seems like Shire's going to ride with these dudes. And it seems like the same way. Like I was like, no, like I know if I keep working, it's going to get better. And, I, and yeah. they, they believe in Shire. So. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, without really knowing, it's hard to say, but I will say that, I mean, we're not saying anything that people don't know that like Coach K had a doghouse. Yeah. And I don't, you know, like look at Mark Williams. Mark Williams, freshman year, hit a point right about now, his freshman year, where he didn't play. Yeah. Krzyzewski was sick of him. He would, he would drop balls. He would turn the ball over. He was missing alley-oops. He wasn't rebounding. He just like wasn't playing well. So like, you know, there's obviously that, but I don't think Shire's that type. And there's been moments where Lively has done something really, really uh, good in the game. And Shire, there'll be like a timeout or whatever. And he's running, he's basically walking out to the court and hugs him. There was like yeah. three times this has happened. Yeah. And like, looks at him like, like, yes, like finally you're doing it. Right. Like, yeah. like, thank God. So yeah, I think it's just a completely different approach. Obviously, you know, Shashevsky is, uh, you know, brutal, right? Like he's yeah. just, he's tough. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think without knowing for sure, it's, it's hard to say. All right, let's shift to Virginia. What is your confidence level that they can beat Clemson or I guess outlast Clemson, um, and win the ACC. So I, and and hopefully win you some money. It's pretty interesting because right now you've got Clemson's 10 and three, Virginia's nine and three, Pittsburgh's nine and three, Miami's 10 and four, NC state's nine and four. So you have all those teams and, and obviously Duke is right behind that eight and five. I, I think it's I, over. By the way, really quick aside, I I wrote this the other on Sunday. They needed to beat Miami to have a fighter's chance, and they lost. So I think it's over for Duke. Like if if we're staring at this and Miami's nine and five, and Duke's nine and five, they got a shot for sure. Yeah. I think it's over now. Even if they beat Virginia, I think it's over. Yeah, this is the biggest week for Virginia, for sure. I mean, we're recording this right before this evening. Virginia is playing NC State at home, which somehow crazy. I would never believe the staff. You told me that NC State's won three of the last four matchups against Virginia. Like, NC State's just annoying. And NC State hasn't been good until this year. Like, that's those are teams that weren't like good. That They're just annoying. Um, and and so they go. They have home tonight against NC State and then Duke. Obviously, it's huge that both those games are at home. I think if it was flipped, it would be it'd be tough. And then they go at Louisville, Notre Dame at home, at Boston College, at North Carolina, and they finish at home against Clemson and at home against Louisville. I feel good as a Virginia fan because I do think that Clemson will lose at least one more one more before they play Virginia. They have to go at Carolina Saturday. Um I don't think they're going to lose at Louisville, but I think they could potentially lose to Syracuse or NC State. At NC State's probably a loss for them. And then they've got to turn around and play Virginia right after. So that would 
automatically. I mean, if you give that, like, I don't, I don't see Virginia losing more than one. In my opinion, I think they probably lose at Carolina. Maybe they lose two, and that's it's, it's if they lose one of them this week. I don't see them losing between Louisville, Notre Dame, or Boston College. And no. then if they're within a half game of of Clemson and they get them at home, I feel good about that. The the team that's scared, I, I think Miami. I've said this all along. Like I think Miami is probably the best team or most dangerous team. I, I like Virginia as potential. Miami's got to go at UNC. They've got Wake at home. They go at Virginia Tech. Um, Here, here's one way. Here we Pittsburgh. Here's I think to... some of these teams are going to eat each other. Like Pittsburgh's got to play Miami. They've got like Carolina's got a lot. Carolina definitely has the toughest stretch. Virginia this after this week, if they can get through this week, I think they control their own destiny. Here's one way to look at the ACC this year. I am going to really struggle picking any ACC team to get past the Sweet 16. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. It. I'm not that confident in Virginia. I like Miami, but it depends on where they're at in their Sweet 16 matchup. Like they, they're going to get somebody really good. Yeah. So Miami's really the only one. Do you Miami, think Virginia's got Elite Eight material this year? I don't. Virginia has. It's the best offense they've had since 19. But their defense, like, but that offense, like I said before, is predicated predominantly on three point shooting. Whereas, like, they can get hot and they can beat anybody in the country. We saw that against Illinois. We saw that against Baylor. Uh, we've seen them at their peak when they're shooting the ball really well. But then also, if they're not shooting well, like they weren't against Virginia Tech, their defense is not as – I mean, they're, they're, they are – they do fit our mold there. I think they're 24th in offense and 26th in defense. Ooh, but, right there. But that defense for them typically is like top 10 no matter what, like every year. So it's not yeah. – it's definitely not the same. I mean, Virginia right now is slated as a three seed. Um, Pittsburgh is slated as an eight seed. NC State is an eight seed. Um, let's look the rest of Lenardi's got Lenardi's got Miami is a six seed. Um, Duke is a seven, as we talked about. Um, we've got Carolina is a nine seed. And then yeah. the last one I want to talk about, which is what is the ACC leading Clemson Tigers are an 11 seed in Joe Lenardi's bracketology, which That's is just insane. a wild statement to think about. It's insane. I literally They're thought you misspoke. Conference. I thought you misspoke when you said that. I mean, but it's it like ma- I- when you actually look at it, it makes sense. Like they're 18 and six of their six losses. Three of them are really bad. Losing at losing to South Carolina. who's 243rd in Kempom losing to Loyola Chicago on a neutral site is 235th losing to Boston college. Um, and then their others are to Miami wake in Iowa, which fine, let's get that. But, and you look at their best wins, their best win is probably is definitely Duke at home, which if we're saying, if we're saying that Duke is a, what it was seven seed, is that what we're, we're the line we're on for Duke? Duke's Duke a is a seven right now, which I saying think Clemson's is... best win is over a seven seed. Then it makes it tough to make an argument. And then like their next best win is probably NC state at home who we have as a eight or nine, like, their best you know wins are against seven, eight, nine seeds. They don't have any. And then their best non-conference win was a double overtime win against Penn State, who's on the bubble. So, like, that is – it's crazy to think about. And I, I don't know if you can attribute – I guess that's the thing. Pittsburgh, like, if you were to ask me, I think the toughest win they have is probably at Pittsburgh. 
because Pittsburgh's right up there too. That's a really, really gutsy win to go into Pitt, who's like a game or two behind him. But Pitt's not slated as a big time like CD either. I know. Um, I think, um, yeah, this Saturday is going to be telling because if Duke gets Virginia and gets NC State, could they get a six? I think, yes, that Xavier win is going to really help them. Ohio State used to be a good win. Um, but they beat like that's the thing. Like it all like you beat Ohio State when they were good. Like that that matters. Yep. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. You know what's funny is you guys are gonna be a two seed. Duke is a seven, eight right now. They have the same amount of wins. I think Virginia is probably a three at the end of the day. Like all I right. have a hard there right now is a three. I have a unless they were to I think if the only the way they're getting to it if they win the tournament, like yeah, say that they I guess if they won at, if they won every game and except at Carolina, you could probably bump them up because they'd be the ACC champs. They in that in that standpoint, they'd be they only have five losses. Like you can make that argument. Um I, I don't know if there's a huge difference between a two and a three, to be honest. Um yeah. but looking at it, I like I like the teams like I like Pittsburgh. Like I think this is I know Cable's, they're good. I, I, I like what Cable's done. Um and then the crazy one, I don't think they're actually in the mix because they had they lost three in a row there, but like Syracuse isn't that bad. Like they're not, they're playing a lot better. The, I, if you'd asked me this a few weeks ago, I would be like, they, they stink. They're not very good. Like they don't have any, I guess they're, yeah, their best win. Their only decent win is, I guess, against Virginia Tech, but they played Virginia really, really tough. Uh, they played Carolina really tough. Um, I don't, and they played Miami. They lost by four to Miami. They lost by four to North Carolina, and they lost by five to Virginia. I mean, they beat Louisville by one. I'm just going to keep coming back. No, to you're that. right. I don't know why. Like, I it may. I think I it's just. I from think they seeing, stink, bro. I think it's just from. I think you're probably right. I, I don't know stink. why I said that, but I I don't know why. I I was not expecting them to play as well as they did against Virginia. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a perfect segue into our the. The, the man at the at the at the top there and some of his comments about some of the other ACC programs this past weekend yeah let's talk Jimmy Beheim um, had a pretty tough uh, quote slash assessment um, here's the quote this is an awful place we're in in college basketball Pittsburgh bought a team okay fine my big donor talks about it but he doesn't give anyone any money nothing not one guy our guys make like $20,000. Wake Forest bought a team. Miami bought a team. It's like, really, this is where we are. That's really where we are, and it's only going to get worse. He also argued that this is the reason Krzyzewski and Jay Wright got out. Since that comment came out, he has then basically said that you multiple know, retractions, not even yeah. one, like multiple retractions. Yeah, he said that uh, Pete Thamel uh, absolutely misspoke. Um, and he didn't mean it in the way that it came out and blah, 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 blah. We know that he meant probably what he said. I'm not saying 100%. that coaches don't get misquoted, whatever, but you know, he really hasn't been on board with the whole changing thing. And, and I think it's pretty simple, man. Like in any industry, I think that's, what's so funny. We're so emotionally attached to how things were in sports. We just refuse to change. I don't know what it is in business. It's not that way. Like if your company said tomorrow, we need to radically shift or find a new revenue stream or, or drop this technology, or we need to adapt. Like nobody freaks out. Like, yes, yeah, change is hard. It's not easy to go through, 
but I, I'm, I still land on the side of, and maybe we need a, another NIL expert, even though I don't really know if those exist right now. I land on the side of like, this was happening at some degree. We know this. We, people got fired. Like Book Richardson got fired, isn't allowed to be a coach because people were getting paid. Now, players are getting paid. And I'm, again, let me reiterate, this system is not perfect. And I'm not saying it's where it needs to be. But why? Why is there so much pushback? And then I want your thoughts. And then let's get into Mike Bray. Yeah, I think, A, like, it's one thing to say that. I think it's fine. Like, if you say, hey, teams in our conference or teams across the country, it's just, re- like, they're buying teams, whatever. Well, it's the same thing I as what's it, his name at Texas A&M. Yeah, I think, Football. yeah, with what it, uh, He with was Jimbo, like, with, yeah, Jimbo. Uh, and then, and then what? Or no, no, I'm sorry. Saban said Texas Saban A&M, said about Jimbo. He bought yeah. a team. Yeah, yeah. So, my thing is, like, I, I don't know why, like, a like I get like Wake Forest because they're they're obviously they're they're I'm saying they're much better last year. Wake Forest also lost the ACC Player of the Year in Alondis Williams. They lost Jake Laravia. Like they had a bunch of turnover. So yeah, he did go. Like Steve Forbes went and got Tyree Appleby from Florida as a grad transfer. He got Andrew Carr from Delaware. But the other two transfers they have literally came from East Tennessee State, where he was before. So like if you want to say like yeah, I, all right, he went and got a point guard. All right, okay, Jim Beheim, like, and and I don't think that like Wake is just I don't think they've got the a strong collective like Miami football or Miami sports that's just like pulling. I was like, yeah, Miami is very outwardly vocal about the NIL off opportunities, and it's driven by Life Wallet and and their big donors. Like, I don't think Wake's doing that, and if they are, like, you you're Syracuse, like, you can't like go get somebody, like. You're telling me that Tyree Appleby would rather play at Wake Forest over Syracuse if he was given the choice in the and they're like that, like look yourself in the mirror. Like you're Syracuse. You're one of the bigger brands in college basketball. Um obviously it's taken a hit over the last few years, but it's a wild statement. And like Pitt, I, it, it it was one thing. I, what was the third team we mentioned? He said, Oh, it was Miami. It was Miami, but like Miami, Pitt, Wake Forest. And Miami, all three Pitt, of those Wake coaches Forest. responded and basically yeah. was like yeah, no. Capel, Capel's <laughs> Capel's response was like, I'm not gonna I don't have a response. I don't yeah, have yeah, a response yeah. about Classic. the other teams in our league. But it's like it it's also one of those things. It's in my standpoint, it, it's they're not breaking the rules. No. If they are, and 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 if they're not breaking the rules, then you as Syracuse basketball could be doing that better than them. Like and can we yes, and can we talk about you and I are both aware of the un, there are unwritten rules in every sport. I actually, that this kind of like why I just can't, I make fun of baseball as much as I do. Cause there's just so many, you can't flip a bat. You can't look at the pitcher after it's just, it's egregious, yeah. but in basketball, there's an unwritten rule that, you know, we're not tattletaling. You're cheating. Okay. You're cheating. I'm not yeah. going to tell it now for the most part, right? Yeah, there's certainly coaches that have like reported other coaches. I mean, Bruce Pearl got in trouble with it with Aaron Kraft. I get it. But there is an unwritten rule in college basketball where we're not saying a damn thing to NCAA and we'll yep. figure it out ourselves. Now that things are quote unquote above board, we're mad and, and Miami bought a team. What? It's, are we yeah. not are we not witnessing the hypocrisy or are we just what are we doing? And honestly, and like I think overall, and like NIL, you can talk about buying team, whatever. 
it's all about retaining guys like Isaiah yes. Wong, not like Isaiah Wong is at my, like Isaiah Wong. I don't, I don't know what his draft status, what like he's maybe he's probably a second round pick when he goes or whatever. But like guys like that, it's like, if you're looking at even like, look at Armand Franklin next year, Virginia, he's got another year. He's probably never, he's not going to get drafted. It's he's, if he comes back to Virginia, he's probably going to make more money in, in NIL opportunities potentially than he would overseas, like, or yeah. is, is negotiable. So it helps make the, like, if there's more continuity, it's going to help make the product better. Like Wake Forest, like you said, they didn't make the tournament last year. They had the AC player of the year. They lost a lot. But Steve Forbes was able to reload because of the transfer portal and because of NIL opportunities and to get guys. And, like, I don't think, and he's, he said, he's not that we know of breaking any rules. And Syracuse could have done the exact same thing. So you lost your sons. Your sons graduate. All right, great. Like, you brought freshmen in. They're talented. You're going through growing pains with some young players. See, other teams are electing not to go with the young players and just try and piece together a roster. It's just a different strategy. So, yep. Um, good segue into our Mike Bray comments. So, this was tweeted out by uh, Rick Bozick. I apologize if I said your name wrong. He's a sports journalist at WDRB at Louisville. Um, and it's basically just, it's not even really a quote, but it's just him saying, departing Notre Dame. Coach Mike Bray says he's worried that college athletics is moving toward the employer slash employee relationship and away from the academic mission. There's a lot to unpack here. I don't think he's wrong. Um, but this was, it sounds more like an NCAA tidbit than it should from a coach. Because it's one thing to complain that, hey, this is super disorganized. And we need more barriers or guardrails around it so that we're all playing on the same level playing field, or at least as close as we can get versus saying, this is about graduating, which let me, it hasn't been about graduating in a long, long time. And it now I will say at Notre Dame, it is like, they don't, yeah. they don't recruit one and done. No, and like, and there's a lot of schools that will hold, like I, I know schools that, believe our alma mater that to graduate you have to have 50 percent of your credits from yeah. that university so if i'm a junior and i'm trying to transfer to ohio university and complete my degree i'm not going to be able to do that i'm like i can go there and i can play but i'm not going to complete my degree that next year and so there are still academic guardrails and some follow it more than others some bend those more than others and I, I think, I mean, are, I are we, like, what do we like the academic mission though? Like, I feel like that's the thing that feels, and I'm, I'm a huge Bray fan. I have his whole career said, I don't think you should ever fire this dude. There's been like time, right. He always wins right at the right time and then gets an extension. Yeah. Um. Again, I don't disagree. Like, yes, that is where it is trending. And we don't really know where it's going to be in 2030. But what's the alternative? I think that's what's always frustrating is that, oh, we're getting away. But no one ever says this is what we should do. You know, it's just kind of like one of those like nostalgic type yeah. quotes. Yeah, uh, I wish it was the way it was. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it. And this is not a knock at Duke by me. I just want to use it because Duke is one of the most prestigious academic institutions in the country. Duke has some of the highest admission standards probably of any school in the country outside of the Ivy League, maybe along with the Ivy League. Yeah. You can, I mean, if we really want to boil it down, 
most of the guys that are on the Duke basketball team are not getting into Duke if it's no. not for basketball. And I think you could probably say the same at Notre Dame. You could even say the same at Virginia. You can say it's some of these elite institutions. So yeah. if we're bending academic um, admissions to get these kids in to begin with, <laughs> it's kind of a, in, in my mind, a point. I don't fully like, I, I agree with them. I, I like the, I, like I, I'm all for nostalgic college basketball, everything. Like I, I like yeah. what I like the foundation. I guess it was built on whatever you want to talk about. But if we're talking about keeping the integrity of academics within college basketball in a landscape where forever, for the most part, and some do it more than others, we bend our academic standards to get these kids into school. Is it's I don't want to say it's hypocrisy. I think that's too strong of a word but it does kind of counteract your statement to begin with. Listen, the university of North Carolina had ghost classes for 25 years. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. All right. Um, all right. Let's, let's end it with Chris Holtman. Um, Ohio state had a, a good start to the year. They were ranked um, not the whole time, but for, for a good portion of the beginning, Did they win Maui or they get to the finals in Maui. I know. I mean, they were, I don't think they won. I don't think they won. Maui. I think they lost their first game. Maybe they, I think they won a couple in Maui. That's what it yeah, was. Maybe went like two and one or something. I think they went two and one lost their. Yeah. They lost to San Diego state. Their first game they beat Cincinnati and Texas tech. Yeah. Two good wins. That's what I'm saying. Like weird. So, um, it was tweeted out the other day by Parker. Do you know how to pronounce his last name? Heyman. I'm going to go with Heyman. Not sure. Let's he do runs it. CBK uh, report on Twitter. Yeah. Tweeted out that Holtman has made it to the NCAA tournament every year as the head coach at Ohio state. They have yet to make it out of the first weekend. Should he remain the head coach? I'm going to, I'm going to rattle through quickly their, their records. He started in 2017. They were 25 and nine, then 20 and 15, 21 and 10. 21 and 10, 20 and 12, and they were 11 and 11 as of two days ago. I can't, I don't know if they played in between that. Where are we at with, with Holtman? I mean, not getting out of the first weekend's brutal. Yeah, no, that's one thing. I, I think I get that. And I think if you look at it, that's, it's a fair criticism. I think you could like, there's plenty of coaches that you could make the same argument against or like, Oh, this person yeah. I even made the tournament or whatever it may be. My thing is, I is less about the tournaments because I get that. Like, so basically from New Year, they lost, they, they beat Northwestern on January 1st and then they have lost, they lost nine. No. Yeah. Nine of their last 10. Um, they're one in, yeah, they're one in nine. They have one win against Iowa sprinkled in basically in the new year. That's tough, but I'm going to take it back. The same, the same stat that we said earlier about Duke, they are 348th in the country in minutes continuity. So it's yeah, brand new. It's a young, you've got a lot. Not, I want to say like Zed key has obviously been there and, and um, like Bryce Sensabaugh is a freshman, Bruce Thorne's a freshman, like, and it's just, and new contributors. And it's one of those routes. It's the same thing. Same. What we just said with wake forest is they are, I hate saying this, but like they're rebuilding, but they are, they're building on a foundation of young players right now that I think is going to make them better in the future. Rather than like they could have just said, you know what, we're going to go in the portal, we're going to get four other guys, and we're just going to run it back with a brand new team for like a rented team for a year, whatever it is. But they've got young guys, and you go through growing pains. Like even look at Virginia didn't make the tournament last year; they basically had the exact same team. They added Ben Vanderplas and a couple freshmen, 
but those guys have developed and they've played better and they're shooting better and they're much better because of it. They went through the growing pains. Like Virginia had one grad transfer, essentially. I don't think it's fair. And my biggest thing is like, if you're going to go and you're going to, if you're, if you're going to decide to move on from Chris Holtman, like who are you bringing in? That's better. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like the answer he's to recruited that. well. They've won. They have not performed the tournament, but it's the same. I, I, I was listening to this on a Mets podcast the other day. People were talking about like how Max Scherzer last year was so good in the regular season. And then and he was great. Darling, and, and then in the biggest two games, against the Braves last series in the playoffs, he choked and got booed off the mound. Great season, had one bad game. If it had been rever- – and, and the fans are all unhappy, whatever. If it had been reversed, if Max Scherzer had been mediocre all season, but then won his one playoff game, like if they snuck in and won his one playoff game, it's like, oh, we love – Max Scherzer got us to the NLCS. Matt, like, yeah. And so I, I hate putting so much stock just behind the tournament. I get there At some point, yeah, like you got to win in the tournament. Yeah. But – I think what Chris Holtman has done at Ohio state has been great. And I don't think anyone, like, I think you're honestly going to, you'd be putting the program, I think a step back or two by reverting from the course right now. So I agree. And I will, the last point on this is it, everyone gets bit by the transfer portal. It feels like Ohio state has lost a ton, even just in his tenure. It feels like they lose a key guy. I know they just lost Michi Johnson last year. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, I think he went to South Carolina and I, they, I, it just feels that way. I, yeah. I need to do like actual research on like yeah. how many guys they've lost, but it feels like every year, right. When you think you're like, all right, they're building something. Like if they lose a freshman, that's going to be tough. That's going to be bad news for yeah. that program. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I, and think I, I just want to unpack this too, because no one, they should not be, faulted for they lost to purdue at home great purdue's the best team in the country they lost at maryland they should not like that should be expected like maryland is 22nd in the country right now it's tough place college park minnesota at home bad loss like have to win win. that one at rutgers they lost in overtime by four like honestly if they had pulled that out that's a great win rutgers is 16th right now um nebraska on the road oh you should win that but like same thing as like you say about Duke and going on the road and the ACC, like going on the road anywhere in the Big Ten is tough. Like yep. I'm, they beat Iowa at home by like 26. Um, they lose at Illinois by nine. Illinois is a better team, tough place to play. They lose at Indiana. Indiana is a better team, a tough place to play. They lose to Wisconsin at home, which like that's how to win. That. win. The, the, the Wisconsin game and the Minnesota game. You know, and then you lose at Michigan, which Michigan's not very good. And I think they probably you should win that. But once again, you're playing in a rivalry game on the road. It's tough. Of those nine losses they have, like there's only two that I can make a really strong argument that they, they automatically should have had. should have won. Yep. Now and and they they played a lot of those on the road. If you the rest of their season, they're home against Northwestern, home against Michigan State. They got to go at Iowa and Purdue, which sucks. They get home against Penn State, home against Illinois, home against Maryland, and then at and that at Michigan State. So I, I, I don't I think mean, they're, they're battling team. They're, they're not battling. a team, but they're, I think they will. I don't, I think, what are they sitting there? 11 and 12 right now. It's, it's going to be, I, a I believe they'll be above 500. I, I would, I would, I would um, I'm go out on a limb and I believe they will be above 500 um, at the end of the season. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, they it's would, yeah, they would have to win. Yeah. At least they would have to go. 
above 500 this rest of the stretch by at least two games. So, yeah. and I think they can. So we'll see. All right, man. Big day Saturday for the Greenlight Podcast. We're going to be doing a little bit of like a, a Manning cast. Uh, so be on the lookout for that from the Twitter uh, account. But um, that's it for episode 126. Another uh, installment of Duke Virginia coming this weekend. Until next time, keep the ball bouncing. Wahoo wah. Lately I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss and tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pull, slush, rustles up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.